Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. The MRN studios here for NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Another week full of really action packed throughout the uh, United States and beyond. We crowned some champions. We've got some new race winners, some perennial race winners that we always seem to talk about, but nevertheless, still tons of action here as we near the end of the month of September. I'm Chris Wilner here in Cockroach, North Carolina. Kyle, ha- Kyle Ricky is up there in Killing Me, Connecticut. Kyle, uh, a welcome sight for all has been this fall weather. I left to go to Texas last week where it was 100 degrees here in Charlotte. It was 100 degrees in Texas, but then it got cold here. It's been beautiful by you. So did you enjoy your fall final weekend with uh, some welcome temperatures? Yeah, we did. Uh, I think it got down into the 40s before we were all done with the race program on Friday night. And that was That's only yeah, 9, 9 o'clock. So, it, I mean, it, it, it came overnight. I mean, I did the uh, the research on Friday. The last time we had raced at Stafford before last Friday, two weeks prior, 82 degrees, 82 degrees was the high. Uh, This week, the high was 61. We barely got into the 60s. And obviously, uh, it got pretty chilly once the sun went down. So it's like it came overnight. I mean, we we turned the the page of the calendar into fall and boom, Mother Nature was ready for it, Uh, at least up here. Well, Texas didn't get the memo from Mother Nature because all so it was 100 degrees working Seabell's Micromania, and uh, what a great event that was. We'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, absolutely. And then I come back to Charlotte, and now the high like today was 78 and no humidity, and it actually feels like fall. So really, really nice to see, but it's also sad because that means we're getting close to the end of race season for a lot of our tracks and, and uh, series across the country. So, But we'll... Uh, We'll make the most of it as uh, we got a great show for you coming up as well. We talk about champions, Mark Antoine Cameron, the newly crowned NASCAR Pinty Series champion for this year. He'll be joining us in segment number two. Always good to catch up with our friends north of the border. And boy, what a season he had, man, going from not even being top five in points to being a champion. That's pretty awesome. So we'll visit. Not in top five points ever. Ever. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, he's never once finished in there. Now, look, he's at the top of the mountain. He skipped a couple steps. He went from outside to the top. So pretty cool stuff. All right. Well, Kyle, we, uh, we'll waste no time here on this episode of Coast to Coast and get started with our top seven winners of the week. Who did you have your eye on uh, this past weekend? Well, uh, a race that was heard right here on the Motor Racing Network on Saturday night, the annual running of the Valley Star Credit Union 300 for the Mar- from the Martinsville Speedway for the NASCAR late models. Peyton Sellers able to pick up the win. Uh, finally, after what, 14 years of trying, was able to pick up that uh, checkered flag and that grandfather clock. Um, it's at a, a racetrack that he used to go to with his grandfather and sit in the front row years ago for these events while his grandfather sold hot dogs. And obviously, we know Peyton from that region of the country winning all sorts of track championships, regional championships, and national championships, and now finally gets a Valley Star Credit Union 300 win. Under his belt, came on a late race restart over Carson Quapple, who uh, 
said and self-admittedly uh, didn't drive as hard as he could have because he didn't want to win it by wrecking the guy in front of them. So uh, good for him. And then congratulations to Peyton and being able, being able to hold him off. Yeah, I was about to say, you don't hear that too often. So that's a polished yep. racer right there in Mr. Quapple. Really cool to see. Although, <laughs> on the flip side of that, we had a little bit of drama, some fisticuffs. Who was that? Andrew Grady. I think he said yeah. he wanted to go Mike Tyson on uh, on Davey Callahan. And I think he did, although poor Davey's still strapped in his race car. And he's just in there giving him you know the left and right, the uppercut and everything like that. So uh, kind of interesting to see that happen. But again, it's short track racing. It's Martinsville. What do you expect, right? The announcers called it a fight uh, on flow racing, and I didn't see a fight there. A fight involves two people. Uh, that was right. that was just a something beat down. Else. That was a beatdown. That's a there you go. Crazy stuff. Well, anyways, congratulations to Peyton Sellers. A consolation for missing out on the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly National Championship. That took days to decide after having to go back and review the entire season. So I know he was a little upset about that. So certainly I think this was – uh, redemption and and as that quote in my head from I forget which race uh, twenty years of frustration twenty years what was that Daytona five hundred Mike Joyce quote when Dale Earnhardt won the nineteen ninety eight yes. five hundred yes. ninety eight yes when I was a wee little lad awesome stuff uh, coast to coast number two for our top seven I'm gonna go with Brandon Watson we talked about the NASCAR Pinty series yes this the spotlight was all on Mark Antoine Cameron winning his championship his first ever. But for Brandon Watson, it was his first career NASCAR Pinty Series feature win. So for him, uh, this was a monumental weekend as well. And he had to do that uh, with some late race drama. I think Alex Tagliani kind of like got turned over when Andrew Ranger went over the top of him. And it was all sorts of carnage left on the racetrack. He had a late race restart and was able to hold on to win his 17th career start. He gets his first win. Uh, he also captured Rookie of the Year honors as well. So a little double dose uh, out there to finish up uh, the fall brawl at Delaware. So congratulations to Brandon. I have never been to the Delaware Speedway, but it's on my bucket yeah. list. Uh, looks like a fantastic facility and a wish, a place that I wish we could go uh, maybe one day with the National Series here in the States. Well, you keep in mind, it's not Delaware, United States. This is Delaware, Correct. Ontario. Just want to make sure Correct. we're going to the right place. Oh, okay. Yeah, we are. Number three, North, Kyle, north of the on your list. I got, uh, we were just talking about it a moment ago, uh, didn't win the race, but won the championship in Lane Riggs. And you mentioned how it took uh, several days to decide and a lot of audits, I guess you might want to call it by NASCAR uh, as far as past race results uh, throughout the rest of the season. Um, some possible issues there. I guess there was nothing that would have determined the championship. Uh, Lane Riggs winning the title by four points over Peyton Sellers after the final re weekend of racing now a week and a half ago. So congratulations to the lane becoming the youngest national champion in NASCAR short track program, the NASCAR advanced auto parts weekly series. Well, once the was the Winston racing series years ago when the Wheeland all American series youngest ever do it. So congratulations to lane. We hope to catch up with him here in the coming weeks on NASCAR coast to coast. Yeah. He's been hard to reach. So lane Riggs, if you're watching, we're, we've been trying to get a hold of you here. I know you're busy. But, uh, you know, come on the show. We'd love to talk to you about uh, all things your championship, but obviously, too, uh, some of those truck series starts he has as well. Uh, Coast yep. to Coast top seven, number four. I'm going to go with the driver who won the finale and the final race at Five Flags before we start talking snowball derby for this year, and that is one Stephen Nassie who said now he is out for blood when it comes to the derby. You don't think that that last year's race still stings. Uh, he brought it up in victory lane. 
uh, winning the last Southern Super Series feature event, the Blizzard Series finale. So kind of two championships in one for Southern Super Series. Hunter Robbins walked away with the championship. For the Blizzard Series, it was Bubba Pollard who uh, just missed out on the win, battling with Stephen Nassie there at the end. But Stephen picks up the race win. Excellent, excellent race. I mean, when you talk about the stars of, of late mile stock car racing, I mean, they all were there, whether it was Williams Wallach or we had uh, who Chandler Smith was on the pole of yep. that race as well, coming back to run, um, Michael Hind, and just a ton of other really good race car drivers. So it was a really cool race to see. Uh, checked out some of the highlights of it as well. And, yeah, I think it really just sets the tone for – uh, the Snowball Derby this year, you know, is Steven Nassie out for it, it, redemption? Does that give him a leg up, or does a guy like Chandler Smith come back and go two for two or somebody else? So it'll be interesting to see. Always one of the great events to get us through the off-season on, uh, on our NASCAR schedules. Uh, the Snowflake 100 the night before, always a fantastic event, and then the Snowball the next day, and all the modified racing and street stock racing that occurs throughout that weekend as well. Uh, one of my favorite weekends of the year. Again, a bucket list item. Haven't been. Need to go. Been saying for like 10 years I'm going to go. Maybe this year. I don't know. It might be too <laughs> I was late. Gonna say, how, does, how does this year look, Kyle? Yeah, might, might be a little too late to, to book tickets, but uh, definitely down the road. Uh, that's the goal anyway. Um, next, coast to coast, top, what are we at? Number five. five. Uh, Mark, I'm going to go with Mark Jennison. Um, he is a now two-time champion at the Seekonk Speedway. Uh, picked up two championships in one night, winning the Pro Stock Championship and winning the Late Model Championship. And the way he won the Late Model Championship was on his side. The car crossed the checkered flag. Uh, he was squeezed into the outside wall. Uh, car went up onto its side and stayed there. And that's how he took his championship photos with the championship trophy and the flag. Uh, they didn't put the car back down on four wheels. They just left it against the catch fence, I guess is what it was, down in turn number one. And uh, he says uh, on social media, probably needs a new late model for next year. Uh, but but what a way to go out with that car. But two titles, two different divisions, one night at the Seekonk Speedway, um, both NASCAR uh, sanctioned divisions. So congratulations to Mark. And hopefully he can get a, maybe a new race car for the 2023 season after winning in dramatic style this year. Yeah, seriously, although having a race car is a trophy, too. I mean, that's kind of there you cool. go. You probably put that in the house somewhere. I know, you know, Christopher Bell has got cars in his house that he's won with. So, hey, maybe a new trend. Uh, coast to coast number six of our top seven of the week. I'm going to go. And it was a tie because I looked at two of these drivers. And I thought, man, I can't go either one. But I think I know who your number seven is going to be. So I'm going to hold off on him. And we're going to go You're with Gio wrong. Ruggiero. Huh? You're wrong. Oh, because you know who I think it is? Okay, fine, fine. Well, anyways, I'm going to go with Gio Ruggiero. Had a great Alan Turner Pro Late Model win uh, out at Five Flags Championship Night as well. Dylan Fecho won the championship, but uh, I think for for the driver, of, of for Gio, I mean, it was one of those where they kind of had kind of a roller coaster season and uh, needs to end it on a high note. He certainly did that. Hunter Robbins, who was in championship contention, uh, wrecked about halfway through the race. Uh, so that was unfortunate to see, but a uh, really cool win for Gio and for Jackson Boone, who won the first. They had a little double header for the Pro Late Models. He's a Nashville Fairgrounds guy, and he comes in and beats some of the best there at Five Flags. So really cool win for both those drivers on the Pro Late Model level. All right, Kyle, who's your number seven? I'm going to go uh, with the newly crowned Riverhead Raceway modified champion, Kyle Stouffer. Okay. Who picked up his fourth championship. In five years, uh, 
it won five events this year, including the tour race at the racetrack. Um, he'll be back at the racetrack uh, at the Islip 300 here in a couple of weeks' time. Going to be a very cold event there on November 12th, if it's anything like it was this past weekend. But uh, Kyle Soper, uh, one of those drivers that I wish would get a full-time ride on the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. We see him a couple of times a year, usually at Riverhead Raceway, and he usually is up front contending for the win, if not winning the event. Um, has kind of had a stranglehold on the, the weekly modified uh, division there over the last half decade or so. Picks up another track championship here in 2022. And here I thought you were going to say Ron Silk, who won your fall final. Well, he is on my list as well. Okay, so Ron, you made the cut, but not the broadcasted cut. We'll just leave it at that one. But heck of a race, though, uh, up at Stafford. Uh, for you guys, kind of your last big event. I know you still have championship night, but that was really cool. Uh, great crowd up there as well. So, all right, top seven. Uh, that's what we have it for this week. Uh, for shout-outs of the week, our honorable mentions, I'm going to go, which some are going to roll their eyes, but I'm going to give it to Kyle Larson uh, because – and Kyle rolls his eyes. Kyle Larson, if you were standing in the infield with me at Little Texas Motor Speedway, the dirt track behind the big track this weekend for Seabell's Micromania – these micro sprints, Kyle does not run. I mean, I know he's a dirt guy. He does not run micros very often. I think he's run maybe three races all year. And the guy spins out on lap number one of the 40-lap feature. He goes to the tail, rides around in the back with Kyle Busch for a while, trading sliders, and then somewhere near the halfway point, the light bulb went off, the track came to him, whatever happened. And watching Kyle knife his way through the field, passing three or four cars in a corner every lap, to the front to win the $11,000 check was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So, yes, call me a little bit of a homer when it comes to the dirt stuff, and obviously Kyle has done this hundreds of times before, but to watch it in person and to see the fans react to him driving through the field to win uh, was super cool. And, and, again, it's Kyle Larson, but some of those micro drivers are household names across the Midwest when it comes to uh, the dirt track scene, micro scene, as well as those that go on to race the Tulsa shootout. So, uh, I think everybody uh, really took notice of, okay, uh, that's pure talent on display for Kyle Larson. So uh, really cool. So that's going to be my shout-out, uh, Kyle Larson, this week. So say he does that every night. I mean, every time every time you put on, you know, one of those streaming platforms with, with dirt racing on it, whether it be Flow or Dirt Vision, yeah. there's Kyle, and there he is passing, you know, four cars a corner. That's true. I, I would say this year maybe he's not as big as like last no. year's big record-breaking you know win set that he had, which I don't even remember the total number. I think it was like in the seventies or eighties in terms of wins. But anyway, he this was still cool to go from the back in such a hard kind of equal playing field race with a lot of talented. Agree. Anyways, Kyle, I, I digress. Agree. Huh? Agree. I agree. Okay. Good. Good. We agree. I'm glad. All right. Who's your shout out of the week? I have two. One is okay. Ron Silk, who won at the Stafford Motor Speedway. The uh, modified Tri-Track Series event picked up the $15,000 check to win in that race. That saw 46 drivers try to qualify. Big names missing the race, like uh, Burt Myers, the 10-time uh, Bowman Great Champion, missed the show. Ryan Priest uh, getting spun while battling for the lead. Matt Hirschman not being able to come up through the field because of a long green flag run. I think he was conserving uh, maybe a bit too much anticipating some more caution flag opportunities and restart opportunities that just didn't come. And uh, Ron Silk 
uh, won the fall final in an SK modified 20 years ago in 2002 and 20 years later uh, back in victory lane there at Stafford. So congratulations to him holding off one of the young hot shoes of modified racing and Jake Johnson at the finish. My second shout out goes to Timothy Peters uh, made yes. what we think was one of his final starts. I don't think the, so. I don't either. I don't think um, so. But he wasn't, you know, he was unsure going into the weekend. And I think uh, had a good top 10 run kind of uh, sparked some more interest in competing down the road. But he did finish in the eighth spot in the Valley Star Credit Union 300, uh, was able to get through all the qualifications, start the event well. Unfortunately, never really challenged for the win, but was able to complete all the laps, finish the race and uh, bring the car home in one piece, which he has had some trouble doing in the past as well. So uh, we hope to see Timothy back, but that's my second shout out. A great top 10 run by old TP at the Martinsville Speedway. No kidding, especially with 92 cars that had signed yep. in. I mean, that's no easy task, even for a Wiley veteran like Timothy Peters. So uh, really good shout outs. All right. Uh, before we get to our main guest, who, of course, is worthy of a shout out and, and to be on our list of winners. But Mark Antoine Cameron, you're on the show, so you already get the bump up over everybody else. Uh, before we get to him. <laughs> couple topics for our go or no go debate segment and one of them uh honestly i just thought of right now because we were kind of talking about it at the top of the show when we were talking about peyton sellers's big win and lang riggs getting the national title is should nascar and the nascar roots weekly series system take a look at how they decide who wins the national uh, weekly driver of the year championship you know some look at it as strictly wins some look at it holistically you know, consistency on some end and where you finish on your local track points kind of as well as, because I think it came down to technically Peyton with the Martinsville win surpass Lane in the number of wins, but the decision was already coming out. So I guess, should they should they take a look at, at how they decide this, Kyle? Maybe to avoid a situation where we're waiting three or four days after the final technical race week of the season to make a decision. This is a topic that has been discussed almost every year at the end of the year. For as long as I can remember, before I think either of us were born, um, I, I don't know. You know, it's just so hard to come up with the perfect formula. Um, you know, you you see what like Anthony Anders did in 2014, and and Pad Fields with his cars, and you know Keith Rocco gets up on stage and congratulates Anthony and his, you know, uh, 78 team and the 78 X and the double zero and the double zero X and all the different cars that Anthony field to ensure full fields. Uh, we kind of saw the opposite this year with lane pulling out because of mechanical issues of the second race, I guess it was a South Boston two weeks ago, uh, which then meant it wasn't a full field anymore. So the race that Peyton won didn't get credit toward the championship because it wasn't a full field. I don't know how you can create a perfect formula for, you know, the, the dirt track drivers to be able to compete in the Midwest, uh, the modified drivers up in the, the Northeast. Uh, you know, you have so many different disciplines of racing at so many different size racetracks with different field sizes. You know, a, a 16 car field size is what is considered a full field. You have some racetracks that you don't get 16 cars for the premier division. And then you have some racetracks to get 30 every week and feel like, well, our guys should get more points because, you know, our fields are twice the size of what NASCAR considers a full field. So I don't know. Uh, you know, you can look at it, but they've looked at it and they've tweaked it 
and they've changed it several times over the years. And I just don't think there's a perfect solution at this point. You know what they're going to do, or they should do, in my opinion, just for an entertainment, all-out, winner-take-all deal? Head-to-head. You know what? Last race of the year, if it's coming down to a situation where if you are within a certain number of points of the other driver, you two must race your final race at the same racetrack. And and kind of almost like a NASCAR playoff format, right? You got four guys at the end of the year that are all even, and whoever beats the other three takes home the championship. I know your stance on this, Kyle. I know you're not a huge fan of the playoff format, but I'm saying like that, especially if we have two guys that have separated themselves from everyone else, and it's it's been a back-and-forth season, so there's no discrepancies. It's whoever can beat the other takes home the title. That's okay, so, but what if, you know, you have a Division One driver at Seacong Speedway in a pro stock and Division one driver at Bowman Gray Stadium in a modified and a division one driver at South Boston in a late model all knotted up the top of the standings. Okay, then what? You have three totally different styles of race car. You rock, paper, scissors for which style of race car y'all are going to run, and it's going to be equal playing field. Okay. We need to get an IROC car for short track racing. A, 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 That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or an yeah, SRX well. car. Ooh, there we go. SRX will supply the vehicles for okay we're getting way way out of control but i I know what you're saying and i don't know if there is a solution or not so i will agree with you on this one uh maybe this is the best we can do right and it's just going to come down to kind of like in college football they have a committee that goes through everything and decides who their playoff or you know teams are well it's the same thing there's a committee there's people that are making these decisions looking at and auditing seasons and Maybe that's what it's going to be. It's a shame that it does. Uh, maybe yeah. you have to come up with multiple national championships where you have a national champion modified driver, a national champion late model driver, and you know, or you know, or something of that nature. So, I don't know. Interesting. And of course, I bet you will bookmark this, and we will be talking about this a year from now because something like this absolutely will again. Uh, the other topic I wanted to get your input on because I read this literally this morning. After uh, in kind of the recaps of the Martinsville, the Valley Star Credit Union 300, is should Martinsville apply a resin for its late model race like they do at NASCAR race? Now, I don't know if Martinsville technically does it, but resin we saw a little bit at Texas. We saw it at Bristol. Um, we've seen it at some other tracks throughout the year. Not PJ1, but this resin is easier to apply. It comes off the racetrack. And the reason why I bring this up is because the race this weekend out at Martinsville uh, NASCAR had a tire test not too long ago. There was a significant amount of rubber laid down in the upper grooves of the racetrack, and some of these late model guys figured it out that it'll work. I think Peyton Sellers said you know, he would be a fan if there was grip up there, make it two lanes, because I think in the past this race has technically been a little bit more processional on the bottom. Maybe you move somebody, yes. maybe you don't. So I'm curious to see would resin be a good idea on a race like this where it's a – national, big-time, big-entry field, a little bit different. Do you apply some resin, make it a two-lane racetrack? What do you think? Or just have a NASCAR test the week before the race. I mean, yeah, true. I'm all for it if it makes for a better show. Um, And if it it works for the racetrack and it works for the competitors, um, then then sure. I know uh, there's some racetracks up here in the Northeast that apply a, a... a substance to the racetrack to outside lanes and um you know it takes sometimes 
a week or two for it to work in, but eventually it does, and it makes for a better show throughout the, the hot summer months. And if, you know, I know Martinsville is one of those short tracks where if you run an event, especially in the cool weather, uh, the track does not take rubber at all. You can run 5,000 laps there and it won't take rubber. Um, so being that it's a an early fall event under the lights at night, probably under cool conditions, then then yeah, if it's gonna you know make the show better then and give the drivers option and give the fans something to cheer for, then absolutely. As much as I love what you're saying about getting better racing, I just don't want NASCAR routes to go NASCAR Cup racing. I don't want some of those. Why not? We already methods. have playoffs. <laughs> very fair, very fair. But I feel like there needs to be a separation of the two, right? Uh, I, I would applaud if maybe they can figure out a different way. Maybe, I don't know. And I don't want to say take the race away from Martinsville, but you find a way to get the racing better, maybe on the race car side of things. Um, but you start introducing resin, then it's just going to feel like an ass. It, you might as well have a choose cone. You might as well, you know. Well, the choose like, cone started at short tracks. It did. It did. But notice but the day happened now. The day a pro stock or a street stock race has stages is the day I'll be concerned. That's maybe what I was thinking, is you start going down this path of let's align ourselves with what NASCAR is doing on the national side. I don't know. So I, I'm going to say no go. Kyle says go. We'll leave it at that. We'll let the folks at home decide. At the end of the day, I don't think it'll happen because maybe NASCAR will just ha keep having tire tests and we won't have to worry about this. But we'll see when it comes to uh, finding grip out there on the racetrack. All right, we've let Mark Antoine Cameron wait long enough. The champion is in the waiting room coming up next on NASCAR Coast to Coast. We're going to visit with the NASCAR Pinty's champion and talk all things 2022 and beyond, including take a look at his nice trophy that he gets to keep at his house. That's coming up next here on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Our Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Joining us via Zoom, it is the newly crowned NASCAR Pinty Series champion for 2022, Mark Antoine Cameron. First of all, how does that sound? Points champion of a NASCAR series. I mean, has it sunk in yet? Yeah, it's still hard to believe after uh, crazy work, you know, and new team that we built uh, during the last winter, built new car, got some trouble, get parts. That's what's, you know, uh, or kind of problem to get the part done and get the car ready for the first race. But really proud of my team, the new Paye team this year. So, you know, we still can't believe that uh, what, we get, what, we, what we did this year. As we record this, the race was less than 48 hours ago, the championship race. Uh, and you've been pretty busy since then. I guess you were on like a, what, a whirlwind media tour yesterday. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, just to thanks to Caitlin from uh, from NASCAR. She take, she taking care of everything yesterday, photo in uh, downtown Toronto, and then uh, we have an interview last night at TSN. So yeah, kind of busy day, but uh, we enjoy it. What was I guess if you want to look holistically, what was so different about this year? Because you know we kind of and it was no secret your championship. I mean, you haven't been in the top five in points, and all of a sudden you come out and you win the championship with three wins. So, what was so different about this year? Obviously, you mentioned new team, but 
I mean, was it just kind of a perfect storm where everything aligned together or kind of walk us through that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the key on that was like to bring my uh, crew chief that I worked with in uh, 2015 when I was ru running with the white motorsport. Robin McCluskey was the, the key man on that. And uh, he won the championship the last two years. So, uh, yeah, it was huge. I mean, uh, to get to, to get him and uh, work with that guy so one more time in my career. And um, I mean, we spent crazy times on the car, build, build, build those those cars and uh, crazy hours during the week and make the car ready. But I'm so proud of that, uh, really proud of that new team that we put together. It's We're using my dad's shop. Uh, we make some plays and we we did that in the background of, uh, on the background of my uh, dad's shop. So we're really proud of that. So with the new team and all the issues getting parts and, and the long hours that you just talked about, what were the expectations going into the season back in May? Actually, I mean, we test the car like a few days before the first race at sunset. So what they're expecting was like, okay, let's do the first race. We see what's going to happen. And then we got to get some time, you know, to test a road course car before uh, the CPMP. But right away when we pulled uh, that, that car, you know, at sunset, the car was like, crazy fast and we led like uh i think like 150 lap on that race we finished fourth you know because we we struggled at the end a little bit the, the, the front bar was broke but um the car was like really really fast first race of the season so uh after that you know, was kind of a to go race by race and you know after that the car was getting better and better and better we led like some some lap also at ctmp and we won the our first race uh, in Terre-Neuve. So what part of the season did it start to, you started to think, okay, if, you know, th this is kind of feeling like something special, we may have a shot at this. Was it pretty early on or was there a kind of a turning point in the season that you said, okay, it's championship or bust at this point? This season, Toyota Racing is looking for jugglers. Uh -huh. Not the ones who toss balls or rings. Uh -huh. Fans that can juggle the rigors of a 10-month-long season across many different racing circuits. Well, what if I added knives? What if you added GR Cup, Formula Drift, and off-road racing? If you can juggle it all, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. Formula Drift is a registered trademark of Formula Drift's holdings, LLC. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. I will say the turning point was uh, after that win at uh, Edmonton. We have some issue with the car. Uh, we missed all uh, practice session. Uh, we came up. Uh, we came up with qualify five and with that win that race. And it's pretty much you know halfway through the season after the, the trip out west, and we were second place on that time. And we know that you know we know that could be possible for us because after that was kind of a more road course, which is. I'm more road course guy, uh, but I, I win only one race out of three. So I, I can't say that anymore, that I'm a more road course guy, but definitely after that uh, trip out was, was kind of okay. I think we can do it.
And to bounce off of, of Chris's question, uh, do you change the way you approach these races, especially these last four or five events, uh, when you're you know looking at yourself second, third in points or the point leader these last three weeks, uh, and Kevin and, and DJ Kennington are, are right there around you, do you change your approach on the racetrack at all because of the point battle? Yeah, of course, we change a little bit. We know we, we try to be uh, smart. Uh, we know that uh, Kevin Lacroix was like really, really fast for uh, iCar and, and, and Moss for CTMP is always like crazy fast. And with that little lead, you know, before Ica was like 20, 22 points lead, I think. And uh, we start to try to manage that, you know, points march uh, between uh, Ica and CTMP. And definitely for us, I mean, that win at the Mossport, the, you know, the, the race, the, the race uh, at CTMP this year was like huge for us. We know that if we can do well on that race, we could get a good gap for the last race at the Delaware. Fast car all season long, but it wasn't without a little bit of drama. A couple of events ago when you had that penalty, 12 points were taken away, but then you were able to appeal it and win it back. Were you worried at all, or what was that kind of week like when you kind of weren't sure where what direction that was going to go? Yeah, that was the issue with the, the Moffer was kind of part uh, of us a little bit, but we know that we're going to get those 12 points back because we never touched it. It was like a inside of those motor the, those motor was something wrong so they it was like uh, not too good but we know at that time it was like an um, extra point for us it was like giving back to us so i was not like crazy nervous about it did it feel good to run i guess the first full season the kind of the normal season since 2019 to have a full slate of races again i believe 13 strong uh coming off of 10 last year and just what six or so two years ago yeah, it was like fun to get the the fans back in the stand, especially like uh, the big race like uh, GP3R and Toronto CTMP. We used to have like a uh, many many fans, so yeah, that was huge to get those uh, like a regular season, regular race, like 13 race. Also, yeah, that was huge for uh, for us, and it's good for also for the for the sponsor for sure. What has this week like? I know you kind of, Kyle, mentioned that you were on a media tour, but what's been some of the responses from your competitors, your family, your friends, and what are some of the cool things you get to do now as champion? Uh, good question. It's like only like one day, but uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get some time to celebrate for sure with the family. Uh, you know, my, my father has been all, always behind me during my uh, entire career. He's got a part of that for sure. And my 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 family is always around too. My my son started to do a go kart uh, since like uh, two years, and we yeah we're gonna try to enjoy it as much as we can. Kind of looking at the big picture now of the series. Uh, but prior to uh, the shutdowns a couple of years ago, uh, we always got to enjoy the NASCAR Pinty Series here in the U.S. at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway uh, at least once a year for three or four years there. Do you ever envision? The series coming back across the border and then maybe you know racing once or twice here in america i would like to i mean when we when we raced in new hampshire like two two or three years ago uh, that was a really fast track for us because we don't use to to race that kind of uh that kind of track but i love it and i hope that uh we can we can make some more start uh in the us i i, I really like Watkins Glen. uh Road America or, you know, eight car click, some, some track like that. So I hope that we, we can race against in the U.S. So a road yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As long <laughs> as it's a road course, primarily we'll be all right. 
Uh, but speaking of the U.S., so this year was big, too, because all your races were on Flow Racing. So all of us here stateside could enjoy and watch a full season of the NASCAR Pinty Series. And I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes as to how competitive, how fun the series is. What kind of impacts as you as a driver have seen just in terms of the fans kind of growing? Because there is now another avenue to watch the series versus uh, kind of being more difficult on our side. Yeah, of course. I mean that uh, that's really good. Uh, a lot of friend of mine can follow us now uh, on 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 that uh, floor racing, and I got some friend in the US too that uh, can can be gonna be able to, is able to follow that, and that's uh, huge for the series for sure. Uh, don't know about it. Do you have any racing left here in 2022? And and if not, what's 2023 looking like for you? I know it's like a million weeks away i mean the off season up there for the nascar pinty series is forever i mean you guys don't start till may but uh we, you know what are you looking at for the future uh we want to go test we have like, like a few things that we we want to test before the end of the season uh my son is racing go-kart uh, this weekend too he's got a few race left to three race left to go and then uh we're gonna start uh you know working for 2023 we want to build at least uh, one more car um and you know, for during the off season, to get their uh, a back a good backup car for the road course, and uh, yeah, we just you know waiting on the twenty twenty three season. Longevity as as far as that's concerned, is have you had any interest or desire to maybe be like an Alex LeBay or Alex Tagliani who've had a couple starts, you know, on the NASCAR national side? here in the U.S.? I mean, obviously, that's got to be a goal, but, you know, is that something you could kind of pursue now as champion? Does that give you a little bit more of a leg up? Yes, I would love to do, like, at least a few start. Uh, one of my good friends, Mario Gaslain, actually helped me a lot, you know, during the offseason to find some parts for our car. Uh, I've always been in touch with him. I would love to do, like, a couple of starts, uh, you know, on a road course. Um, not, I was you know, say like road I, courses, road courses. <laughs> yes, road courses. I would like to get back in Watkins Glen. The last time uh, I raced there was before they repaved it. And uh, I was racing in KNN at that time. But yes, I would love to go back there and uh, do like at least a few starting in Xfinity. My final question for you is about what's next for you to celebrate this title. You mentioned it's only been a day and you've been busy in the last day and a half. But once all these interviews are done, how will you celebrate uh, what you've been able to accomplish over the last five months? I will say, you know, get, you know, pass some time with the family. Like I said before, my dad has been, always been around with me. He was not able to be to be there at the last race at Delaware because he's getting older. But uh, yeah, just, you know, spend some time with family and enjoy with friends. Before we let you go, I noticed the Pinty's trophy behind you over your shoulder. Is that the championship yeah. trophy? If so, why don't you uh, give us a little look at it? <laughs> yes, I didn't know it was mine actually. I thought it was like, uh, like the Steiner clutch. I had to go, you know, I get to send it back, but uh, Caitlin told me that, oh, it's yours. So, oh, wow. Uh, that, and uh, I'm going to spend some time with, uh, with all the team. And it's like, you know, like you said, uh, like I said before, it's like I can't do it without uh, that great team that we, we, we put together during the winter. Is it something like in hockey? Can you drink out of it? Is there some yeah. tradition or ritual? Oh, yes. We did that uh, on Sunday night. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Put some stuff on it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, hey, congratulations. Enjoy the time off with your family, your friends, and 
uh, really get to soak in this championship because I know it means a lot to you. So congratulations. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's Mark Antoine Cameron, your recent and newly crowned NASCAR Pinty Series champion for 2022. Coming up next after the break, we look at our Go With The Flow calendar for race weekend coming up as we near the end of September. We're back after this. presented by flow racing uh kyle ricky what a conversation with our new champion uh you can kind of tell that i i don't even think he thinks it's real yet i think uh once he turned around and looked at the trophy he was like okay maybe, maybe it is but uh overall i think it was really well deserving champion uh really cool to get to kind of pick his brain a little bit love hearing that uh the championship was pretty much won in his father's garage yeah. uh brand new team all the hours all the blood sweat and tears that go into Starting a new team, especially in this current climate with parts shortages and, and everything that's going on out there uh, in the supply chain for, for a lot of these race teams, uh, not only here in the U.S., but also up in Canada. Uh, pretty cool to see, you know, a driver that really wasn't on our radar um, going into the season. You know, we were looking at the, the LP Dumoulins and the Andrew Rangers and the DJ Kenningtons of the world, but Good to see Mark Antoine Cameron get it done here this season, and uh, I'm sure he'll represent the series well during the offseason leading into 2023. And we will have to wait until May 2023 to get these cars back on track. It's going to be a long offseason, but a well-deserved one. couple news bulletins before we get to our couple race weekend calendar schedules and things to note for this weekend. Uh, sad news, though. You never want to see this. Jennerstown canceled its fall final. It's kind of big classic fall brawl. This weekend, that was supposed to happen October 1st. Again, Kyle, uh, the shortages that we've been talking about, it seems to plague certain areas of the country more than others. But the fact that they had little to no car count because of it, the supply chain kind of backing into that, uh, and obviously operation costs are, are, are getting higher. So unfortunately, the track had to release a statement this week saying they were going to cancel their fall brawl. So not uh, the news we want to hear uh, when it comes to short track racing here in the country, but we've obviously had some other races going on as well. And then I want to get your thoughts on this. Bowman Gray is repaving again. Saw that. The word came out, and boy, you would have thought somebody won the lottery when it came to modified drivers that run their weekly because we documented it. We've had Tim Brown on the show early at the year thinking it's going to be garbage. Uh, you know, for the fans of the stands, they saw some great racing, right? We had some fantastic uh, aggression, aggr aggressive driving over the course of the year. But uh, the track did uh, come out with a statement saying that they noticed, especially on the top side, a deterioration of the racing surface. So they're going to go ahead and uh, pretty much mill the top and put new surface down. So I guess the quote of the the quote of the week, though, was Burt Myers just saying, I hope they don't mess it up again. What do you think? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I Obviously, you, you can't see it when you're watching on, on flow um, from the camera angles, you, you know, you you don't get a good look at the pavement. The drivers would know best. I thought we saw what we usually see there. I know everyone was complaining about it at the beginning of the year, but I feel like once we got a week or two into the season, you know, it was old Bowman Gray, you know, like it had never been repaved. We're seeing what we typically see and that's, you know, cars running into each other. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, if the budget's there, go ahead, do it. If you don't think the pavement's going to last one, the winter and two, another season, um, probably a good move to 
to get that done now before the cold temperatures really set in. We'll see. I, I, and again, I don't anticipate much of a change when we go green there, you know, next April for the Hayes Jewelers 200. Yep, we'll wait and see for sure. All right, final segment, go with the flow, our race weekend calendar. Boy, it's starting to get a little bit thinner as we've crowned champions and tracks begin to uh, slowly shut down for the remainder of 2022, get things ready for next year. But we do have a double dose of ARCA action after a week off. ARCA Menards National Series with the Hearst Snacks 200 at Salem, Indiana Speedway coming up this Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern on Flow Racing. Kyle, we're down to the final uh, what, two races to go here, and it's a short track duo, and Daniel dies chasing Nick Sanchez. Five points, the difference between those two going into this weekend. And we talked about this last week. Typically, the Arkham Menard Series crowns their champion at the Kansas Speedway um, on a Friday night leading into the, the NASCAR race weekend. I really like that this series is now ending with, I believe, what, three short tracks with Bristol yeah. two weeks ago, Salem this week. And then kind of the home of the Arkham Menard series, the Toledo Speedway in, in a week and a half time. Uh, great point battle. You know, Nick Sanchez, Daniel Dye, what, five points separating them going into the weekend. So uh, I love that it's going to be settled on short tracks and iconic short tracks that are synonymous with the Arkham Menard series. Love Salem. Grew up, you know, watching short track racing there, usually the USAC midgets and sprint cars. But I'm um, going to be fun to watch the stock cars this Saturday at the High Banks of Salem. For sure. Once again, 4 o'clock Saturday on Flow. Jesse Love, the defending winner, actually captured his first career ARCA win there last year. Now, the ARCA West is in action as well, double dose, although their points battle a little bit more spread out when it comes to the top uh, the top two. The Napa Auto Parts 150 at All-American Speedway in Roseville, California, is a late start once again on the East Coast, 945 Eastern on Saturday Jake drew 52 point lead on Tanner Rife. Those two drivers, I'm pretty sure we've talked about every single Arco West race here this year, kind of trading blows between each other. But Jake Drew's been on a hot streak as well. Uh, they've only got uh, three races to go. So, again, maybe some opportunity for a point swing, Kyle, but I think those two are pretty much set themselves apart from the rest of the field. Yeah, and especially Jake at the front, 52 points. I think that's a full race. Um, and depending on you know the field size at Phoenix Raceway, for the season championship where typically they can get 30 to 32 cars, you know, he would have to have a, a horrible day and, and probably a lap one incident there to even have a shot at losing the championship. But um, all American this weekend, then they go to the bull ring at the Las Vegas motor speedway before Phoenix, three really fun races for the series. But uh, right now, uh, Jake got on that summer streak that started in the rain at Portland and, uh, never really let up and has done a nice job building a 52, a 52 point lead for himself. So, uh, kind of, he's kind of in the catbird seat right now. Last year it was PJ Pender and Chelly with Charles crawl crawls, iconic call at the end, uh, getting him, as uh, his first career win in a last lap pass as well. So that'll be fun to watch Saturday night, nine to four 45 Eastern on flow. Uh, Kyle, your neck of the woods wrapping up their 2022 season at Stafford, the Napa Champions Night. What can we expect on Friday? Uh, the final event of the year. Uh, all our champions will be crowned, five of them. A couple of them have already been decided, including Todd Owen, the SK Modified Track Champion for a second consecutive week. Uh, somebody that has not finished lower than 11th all season in fields that have averaged 30. So uh, not a bad year for Todd wrapping up that championship last weekend so we'll get underway about six o'clock eastern time on friday night for the final night of the year 
And also up here in New England, a big weekend at Thunder Road, the 60th running of the Vermont Milk Bowl. Uh, Going to be fun, uh, both Saturday and Sunday. Sunday's event will feature a 150 lapper for the American Canadian Tour, broken up into three 50 lap sprints. All of that can be seen live on Flow Racing. So uh, start your night in Southern New England on Friday at Stafford, and then go to Northern New England on Saturday and Sunday for the Milk Bowl. I know our colleague Dave Moody will be tuned in. That's his home track, yep, and he's been is. up there at least once so far this year. So it'll be fun as well. Don't forget, past late models will be kind of the appetizer on Friday before qualifying Saturday, and of course the Milk Bowl on Sunday should be fun. DJ Shaw kind of headlines an entry list of heavy hitters from the New England area. Should be a lot of fun. 60th annual too, so it's a marquee event for them. Smart mods are in action Saturday on Flow, five o'clock Eastern as they. Uh, start to wind down their season as well when it comes to modified racing. And then, of course, tons more on flow, whether you like dirt or asphalt, drag racing or lawnmower racing. They've got everything uh, with weekly racing at Meridian Evergreen. Uh, how about the Sean Beluzzo Memorial at Langley? That's a big one out there at Langley Speedway. Uh, Fall Nationals, Lawrenceburg, dirt racing for USAC as well as the Silver Dollar uh, Fall Nationals for our wing sprint cars. Kyle, am I missing anything else? Yeah, we got Tucson Speedway in Arizona. They have the Bad to the bone night. Not quite sure what that means, but that is going to be this Saturday uh, for their super late models, hobby stocks, and legend cars. Uh, they have four events left on their calendar. It'll culminate on uh, November 25th through the 27th with uh, their big super late model event at the end of the season. So uh, they take a lot of the summer off there in Tucson because it's 130 degrees. Yeah. They don't race in July and August, and they come back and they run a little bit deeper into the fall where temperatures are kind of uh, bearable out there. So they'll be back in action this Saturday. Awesome. Sounds good. What's on your race weekend calendar? Obviously at Stafford, are you uh, checking anything else out this weekend? We have Stafford Friday night. The New London Waterford Speed Bowl has an eight-division show on Saturday night, so hopefully we're not there till midnight in 40-degree temperatures. Uh, and then a little go-kart racing on Sunday. All of this around, you know, some, you know, I'll have Talladega in my year from, from the Motor Racing Network. I was about to say, all while trying to catch up on our coverage here on Motor Racing Network from Talladega. That'll be a lot of fun as well. I will be doing the same, trying to catch up on Talladega as well as watching all these races on flow, but I will be trying to dodge the raindrops, the hurricane making landfall expected in Georgia for the Motul Petit Lamar, where I will be headed this weekend, just in time for race weekend. I think Thursday night, and then it's supposed to be a washout Friday and Saturday. Now, don't forget, sports cars race in the rain, but I don't like to be out in the rain for a prolonged period of time, so I may melt by the time uh, we need to record this show next week. Okay, well, we'll find a replacement for you. Cool, yeah, you do that. Uh, before we go, though, uh, it is a little bit bittersweet for us here on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Our producer, although it was a very short time, but she did hundreds of other things here at MRN. Alexa Wesselman is leaving us this her last week, so we want to thank her for putting on the show, uh, kind of coming in a little bit and filling in uh, after some changes over the course of the year. But, of course, for all that she's done being a producer on the road with us on our show coverage to producing elements and different things that you've heard here on MRN. Alexa. We wish you didn't have to go, but uh, best we'll of miss luck you. We will, we will. Especially Kyle and I will miss you because uh, you made the show a lot of fun. So best of luck to you in your future endeavors. We will miss you. All right, Kyle, you enjoy your weekend. I'm going to enjoy my weekend. We will reconvene next week. NASCAR Coast to Coast, as always, we'll recap everything next week when we talk tons more about championships. And, of course, there are some big races still to come as we wrap up 2022. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.